get it. What's good, Chris, bro? Like, and can you help me answer that question, Chris, bro? Why do Why don't I have the ball in my hands when it's crunch time, bro? Ain't I supposed to be the this? Oh my God, GG! I don't see myself as that, but ain't I supposed to be quote unquote that? Like, welcome to episode two of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Riley Hudson, joined today and always by Brady Fitzgerald. Frustration coming from the Gamecocks basketball star Gigi Jackson following Saturday evening's 65-63 loss to Arkansas. The clip you just heard coming from Jackson's Instagram Live. Brady, I've expressed my frustration with Gigi with you off the air. And we know that he's he was frustrated with how the offense was ran, but I don't think either of us were expecting such a poor decision on his part. Yeah, coming after a loss, you never want to see your star player come on Instagram Live. Uh, I remember realizing that immediately. Like, I wonder why, you know, why he's going on Instagram Live. And he's just sitting in the locker room or wherever he's at, frustrated, probably mad at himself that he scored nine points in a, in a close game and got a loss. Um, and we're just wondering why he's not more involved in the offense. And as an 18-year-old kid, yeah, bad decision on his part. Definitely should should never have, should never happen for any college player, but... You could see you could see where he's coming from a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, and you know, we, we being in the student section, we really noticed him, you know, in close games. Uh, he wasn't getting the ball as much as, as obviously as he wanted, and you would kind of see him in the corner, just just pouting. It was it was really frustrating as a fan to watch a player sit in the corner and and pout. It's I mean, yeah. I wish I could come up with a better word, but that's really what it is. Um, and sitting. Again, at the student section, I can't remember which game we were at, but he looks at us, and Gamecocks just went down by probably 12 or 15 points. He looks at us, me and Brady, and says, see what happens when I when they don't get me the ball. Yeah, that was the Mississippi State game, I believe, and that's just, I mean, you, you know when there's there's frustration on the court, I get it, you're, we're all human out here, but you, you can't be saying that to the fans. Uh, you can't be letting other players hear that. Uh, just locker room presence is you, – you're supposed to be – as an, even though you're an 18-year-old kid, you're supposed to be a, a leader, a face of this franchise. And when you're, when you're saying stuff like that, you're, you're putting down your, your other teammates who have been working and grinding. And, you working know, just, just as hard as you are. And just as – yeah, and they're all just as frustrated as, as they are. Nobody wants to be one win in the SEC this far into the season. And look, that's what's gonna happen when we're when we're a building team that's been struggling lately. Yeah, and he did apologize, and we're gonna get to that uh, here in a little bit. But my point right now is we are we're happy he's here, but he's acting like he did us a favor by coming here. You didn't do us a favor coming to USC, and it's about start. It's about time he really started acting like it, mm-hmm. and. <clears throat> I know this is this is an SEC school that yes was desperate for talent, but you're not going to come into our school and act like we and and act like we think that without you this team is nothing. Because in case you didn't know, this team is what eight and I I, I should know the record off the top of my head, but I don't. It's eight and uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, eight and eight and way too many. Yeah. So. So when you're looking at that, yeah, there's. Yeah, he didn't do us a favor. He's here. He's here to play ball just like everybody else. And I can I can sense where the frustration's coming from. 
but it's just something that shouldn't publicly be said. And Excuse me. that is the that's the, the epitome of it. And we'll get to the Mizzou game because he had a great Mizzou game. And Lamont, I mean, Lamont really put his uh, put his foot down and was saying this is not like this is not going to slide. This is how he's treating every player equally, and that's what I like to see going forward. Yeah, and one thing that I uh, j- just in in Gigi's perspective is I feel like he's treating this team as an obstacle instead of a stepping stone into the NBA. Like it's just like if I can just get through this one year at South Carolina and you know be happy with what I produce here at, here in Columbia. Then, then I can just move on. Instead, I don't know why. Like, if you're gonna, if you, if you, if that's your idea, and that, if that's what you're thinking, why, why'd you even come here? Yeah, and he wanted to come here. Like, he, he wanted to stay close to home. His family's coming to every game. Uh, he had to reclass, so he couldn't go to UNC. And he, you're right. He should be treating it as, uh, as a, as a team that he wants to grow and see the team grow as well. And there was a couple good remarks later in his. Instagram live where people were commenting about transferring, you know, transfer here, help out here. You'll win a chip in Kentucky. You'll win a chip in UNC. Mm-hmm. And he kiboshed that, which I respected. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said, look, I already betrayed one franchise being UNC mm-hmm. where he committed and decommitted and reclassified. And for him to go out there and just put the rumors to bed, I think that in the where while you can have a mistake on this Instagram live, that was a that was a, a good part of his Instagram live that that added to to some confidence for me, and hopefully builds on confidence for the rest of the players knowing that, yeah he might he might feel like he he hates it here sometimes or he might pout on the sidelines or in the games not even on the sidelines but he uh, he's not gonna he's not gonna leave anywhere if he transfers he still believes he's making it to the NBA I believe he's making it to the NBA at the end of this year and. Hey, hopefully this this little blip and all the public bashing that has come out from it has uh, locked in his mindset for the rest of the season. Yeah, I absolutely believe that it's going to be positive. And uh, Sunday afternoon, I believe, he posted this uh, apology on his uh, Twitter. <clears throat> Quote, First, I want to apologize to Coach Paris, all of my teammates, and the University of South Carolina. After reflecting on my behavior yesterday, I want to apologize for acting out in emotion and the comments I made live after the game. Being that I am very passionate about the team and the game, I unfortunately took my frustration out in a very inappropriate manner. My behavior yesterday is not, was not a reflection of my character. Going forward, I will move in a more mature and positive direction. I'm extremely proud of my team with yesterday's performance, and we will take yesterday's performance as momentum to get even better. Again, I apologize. End quote. And that you know that was good to see, and it 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 really makes you feel like this is going to be a positive experience for him going forward. Not even just here at the university, but you know he's going to be in the NBA one day, whether that's you know next year or maybe he sticks around, maybe he goes somewhere else. But um, I I don't know how you feel, but I I think this is going to be a positive thing. Yeah, I definitely think this is a positive sign. Uh, he knows what he did was a mistake, which is always a good thing. Uh, and he, he's the type of player, it seems like, where uh, off the courts, all I've heard is good things about him. All I've heard is a great guy. And it seems like the emotions of the game always ends up getting in his head. 
and getting in uh get and it, sometimes it, you can tell it affects his performance on the court. So if he does a better job at blocking out the noise, blocking out the score that's on the the, the jumbotron, and just worried about playing ball and doing what he does best, which is score at efficient numbers and gets to his open spots and he helps out his teammates. And if he just continues to do that and doesn't worry about the wins or the losses, and and of course it's going to get frustrating. Like I I, I completely understand where he's coming from. Uh, you know I didn't I didn't think he expected to win one SEC game uh, throughout this span, and he he wants to win more. So he's going to be frustrated, but uh, definitely a positive sign coming in. And that apology I think was well worded mm-hmm. and mature of him just to go out there and apologize. Yeah, I, I agree, and we know what he believes. He believes that he want he isn't given the ball enough, and I get that. You know, you're you're a five star player coming to a team that barely, probably all these players coming out of high school, the probably the best was a four star, three star, and you were expecting to be, you know, the superhero, the the guy who's dropping thirty points a game, mm-hmm. but, and we get that. But we're and we're not asking you to change what you believe, but we're changing you the way we're asking you to change your behavior, because <clears throat> this this uh, basketball program is whether you know you want to look whether who's looking at it, uh, it it is historic. So and it, it does have merit, and it's not. This isn't your high school team where mm-hmm. you can. Uh, you can pout and yell at your coach, yell at yell at the fans. So, this is a D one program with in a SEC conference that has a lot of history on it. Uh, we made it to the Final Four five years or was it five years ago now? Yeah. And that is that's something that is held to not you know that's not the standard of course because that was a miracle run. But we're our standard is to be a competitive team. Uh, we won the NIT what two years in a row and have been in it multiple times and that's you know we're not making parades for it but that is that that means you are one of the top hundred teams in the country and that that's historically what where we've always landed so you're right this isn't some d3 school that no one's heard of this isn't some um you know yeah this isn't like usc upstate or some this is usc columbia and we were expected to to at least be middle of the pack. Yeah, I agree. And like we said, I, I think it, I think it's going to be a very positive thing going forward and kind of transitioning here. Um, I think we really did see that on uh, Tuesday night against Missouri. Yep. Um, if In case you missed it, Carolina went pretty late with Missouri. Um, going into the final minutes, uh, I think with about two and a half minutes left, Missouri took a 10, 12-point lead, and it it felt kind of out of reach at that point. But before that, there were some lead changes. Gamecocks were in, it, were in the game for forty eight or uh, 38 minutes. Yeah, and it's they, in the second half, they went on a scoring lull where they, they, they had a, a couple minutes. It was like four minutes where they didn't score a field goal and couldn't get any points up. And they just let Mizzou crawl, keep calling back, keep keeping this game around. And I guess they were the ones keeping it around because they were favored. Uh, they were, sorry, they were projected to lose by 15. But the 
what I liked about this and where where I want to keep going forward is Gigi Jackson had a had a great game. He came off the bench, which was a great move by Lamont. You know, show him who's boss. Show him that you are not the the person who's running this program. And Gigi Jackson took that with stride. Came in, shot eight for 12, 60, uh, 66 percent and fifty percent from three, and scored twenty three points, which is uh, above. It's not as it's not as career high, but it's. It's yeah. one. It's up there. Yeah, I think didn't he score thirty one night at home? Yeah, thirty against Auburn. That's right. Um, yeah, and he he did all that with less than thirty minutes. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'd have to confirm. Yeah, twenty six minutes. Yeah, and and you're putting up them kind of numbers in twenty six minutes. And you're a talented player, but I think that you're you're not going to get what you're looking for by acting like it's it's just you, and that you just need the ball in your hands. And I think this is a positive sign to to look at that and and see that he's grown through throughout this. Uh, it's only been one game since the the Instagram live incident, but he's grown through it. Hopefully, and uh, I don't I don't project him to be on the bench for very much longer. No, he should probably start uh, come next game, and if he can keep those numbers up, his shooting percentage up. Uh, I would like to see what his assists were, but oh, it's over here. His assists that game, he had none. But he didn't turn over the ball. He turned it over once, and they like that. Put not turning over the ball and making sure that your the teammates get involved, even though he didn't get any assists, is is the way that this team needs to win. Yeah, and uh, looking at some more, some brighter spots. You know, Hayden Brown, nineteen points, six rebounds. Uh, Jacoby Wright, a guy that I really like, I uh, think has a lot of potential. Um, not just in college, um, had 11 points coming off the bench. Um, oh, he started that game. Oh, he did. Did yep. he start in GD's place? Yeah, they did a three-guard lineup yet again. Oh, okay. Uh, Josh Gray with uh, seven rebounds. Let's talk about Josh Gray for a second because uh, he has been a uh, a favorite for us to talk about a lot. And We love Josh Gray. Yeah, and this Arkansas game, he, he drops 20 with f- how many rebounds? Uh 14 rebounds, mm. 20 and 14 double double, really was the 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 turning point for this Carolina team in this Arkansas game where they lost by two and I think projected to lose by 20. So when when they can get him going and even last or even Tuesday he he had nine points, seven rebounds. If he can just keep getting those rebound numbers up and playing like the big man that he is, and that's all we we've been asking for that for two years now. That he just plays like the seven foot guy that he is, mm-hmm. and it's really shown. He's really been doing that lately, and even in this Mizzou game, uh, he was at the free throw line. I was like, oh, boom, sunk both of them. So he he's definitely improving. Uh, he is at one that looks like he's changing up his mindset, trying to be more dominant, trying to be whenever he gets the ball in his hands, trying to dunk over people, trying to get finish the layups, and that's a a big necessary spot for this team where our centers are uh, are pretty weak besides Josh. And if I'm not mistaken, he is the only true center that plays. Yes. Uh, Trayvon Min- uh, Minot, Minah, can I never remember how to say his name. Minot. Yeah. That's how I was um, thought it was. A guy that, honestly, we were pretty excited about. Uh, last year watching him, it seemed like... Came from Canada. Yeah, and, and uh, dates Aaliyah Boston. Mm-hmm. Can't forget that. Mm-hmm. 
but a guy that we lo- that we watched last year, and it seemed like he had great post moves, and he he got, you know, not a lot of playing time, but I imagine he probably averaged 10, 12 minutes, um, and he was a guy like I said that I was excited to see this year, and out of all the games that I've watched and been at, I think I've seen him play probably 20 minutes the whole year. 20? You don't think so? I'm thinking like two. Yeah. I don't the games think... we've been at, too. But he... I think he's played uh, on some away games and some games over Christmas break. Okay, because I, I have not seen – I don't think I've seen him suit up or actually play in a game this year at home. I've, come, I've, I've seen him come in to watch a free throw. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. much it. But. And uh, and Verdonk, uh, great. He's a great guy to to set up the the pick and roll. But every time it seems like he gets the ball, he uh, he flustered. Uh, he, he drops the ball. He, he sometimes results in a turnover. And he he can get when he gets it going. And he's a defensive presence. And he can get rebounds. He's really good. But uh, it's just a lot of games this season. It's been it's been pretty pretty rough for Verdonk. Do you happen to know what year he is? Verdonk? Yeah. Uh, he's a, I think he, I can, I know he graduated out of Illinois in three years and now he's in our law school. So, Oh, so he's a graduate transfer. I think so. Okay. That's too bad. That guy has a, has a great personality. Yeah. It seems great like guy the, on the court. Yeah. It seems like the other guys like to be around him. Um, going to be a lawyer one day. What? Going to be a lawyer yep. one day. Going to be a lawyer. Uh, other, with these types of games, I'd like to see if Zachary Davis keeps coming in and getting minutes. I'd like to see him do a little bit more. Um, yeah, he. It seems like every time he has the ball, too, he's also gets flustered. Not really sure. He's a freshman, so there's time for him to grow and time for get. He's going to get the keys eventually to this franchise. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone like him, I'd like to see it get a little more minutes and a little more touches of where he's designed to get open looks and get open layups. And I think he's got a, I think he's a pretty good shooter. Um, only problem is that early in the, early in the year. And I think that's just part of the reason that he doesn't get as many minutes as we saw earlier in the year was, uh, he would get the ball and it would seem like 50% of the time, as soon as he touched it, he'd shoot it no yeah. matter where he was. He, he, he was normally in the corner, but, um, yeah, I agree. Someone that I want to see, uh, get more involved, especially this season's gone. Um, it's time to start looking at the future. And I, I know that's kind of a mean thing to say to these guys who have worked very hard to be be here. Um, guys like Hayden Brown, who I'm pretty sure is like 27? 25. 25? Yep. Which is, it's kind of strange playing, it's got to be strange for Gigi playing with a guy seven, old, seven years older than you. And even weirder to be Hayden Brown playing with a guy that's seven, seven years, years younger, younger than you. Than you. Yeah. Hayden Brown, I like Hayden Brown. I think he does great work for this team. He does a lot of the dirty work. Gets a lot of the dirty layups. I'd like to see him be more efficient, though. He is uh, every other shot. You don't know if it's going in or not. Even when he has open threes, it seems like they're always short. And he can't make a goddamn free throw to save his life. No, and I'm glad you brought that up. Free throws have been the death of this Carolina team. and I, I In any were... close game. Yes, and this game, they were 61% from the free throw line. It's There's not much to say on free throws other than you just got to make them because it's not just us. Uh, it's, it's just college basketball and basketball in general. These close games, no matter wh- what the referees are doing, it's going to come down to free throws. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I was watching the uh, Tennessee-Vanderbilt game last night. Yeah, big upset by Vanderbilt. Yeah, and Tennessee had the – I think a lot of people saw the buzzer beater from Vandy. But Tennessee uh, was at the line with a one-and-one to push it to – Three a three point game, maybe even a two point uh, two possession game, and they missed the first free throw, and that gave Vanderbilt the option to go down there and draw a play to send it to overtime or what they did win it. Mm-hmm. So it's there's just not much more to say other than you just got to hit your free throws. No, and the the importance as you mentioned in the game of basketball of the free throws is that it's really kind of overcome the game. Uh, when you're when you're watching Embiid play in the NBA, uh, half his points are you know tw- there are twenty free throws and he's twenty for twenty one or he's and Jimmy Butler does the same thing. When you have a guy who can do that, it's just as effective as a great three point shooter or a great uh, a, some guy who can get great layups because when you get him to the line and he consistently gets to the line. The it puts pressure on the guys who gets the foul. It puts pressure on the team for letting up two free points. And a great thing to think about with this Carolina team is you asked me, I don't know if it was two games ago, I think it was yeah Mississippi State, and you said, if we had a technical foul and you're the coach, who would you give the free throw to? And I had no idea. I was like, maybe Chico Carter, maybe Michi, maybe Gigi. And there's not a consistent one on our team who can get to the line or make them at the line. Yeah, no, I like you said. I don't know who I would send to the line. Maybe it's somebody who doesn't play that much that uh, Paris will send to the line. But yeah. And um, you were talking about minutes earlier with the younger guys. The Javon Benson has been on been on the bench this whole this whole year. Uh, I've talked. I know uh, we both know one of the managers. He's, he's our fraternity brother, Joe Greenwood. Shout out him. Uh, and he gets me a lot of insight on how these guys are in the locker room at practice. And he said Javon is a I, – I thought he was a freshman. He's a junior, damn. Uh, he said that he's uh, a good good player, but he's he's raw. And that I, I just – I would like to see him – because we saw him at that Garnett and Black game. Mm-hmm. And he was pulling up three-pointers that were long and hitting them. He was making nice layups. I'd just like to see him do something on the court. At least get five minutes in one of these games. Yeah, I agree. But uh, moving on to, uh, or let me just close this off, that uh, Carolina is now on an eight-game losing streak. Um, haven't won since Kentucky. Uh, but we have two more options coming up, or two more opportunities coming up. We've got Ole Miss this Saturday at Ole Miss, uh, 1 p.m. start on SEC Network. And the next home game, Vandy, on Valentine's Day, 6.30 p.m., SEC Network. Before, before we wrap up and we go to the, the women's team, uh, I just want every, everyone that's on Twitter, you know, oh, you're happy we fired Frank now, oh, this, this and that. You got to give Lamont some time. No matter how bad it's been, it's looked rough. Uh, the, the coaching is questionable at times. But Lamont, these are none of his guys, really. And the you, 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 for a program to build, you have to have faith in the guy who's building it. And to just bash him immediately and give him no time to – Get recruits, set up a system, get uh get anything going. That'd be like it'd be if if Beamer, if Beamer had a bad year his first year and we all just bashed on him. Uh, 
what like what give him some time. There's no point in that. It's year zero. Uh, you gotta build. You gotta start somewhere to build, and it doesn't start better. I guess building at rock bottom. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, like you, rock bottom because it's not it, it it's not Lamont's fault that everybody dipped as soon as yeah. Frank was gone. Uh, these players came to this university because they liked Frank Martin. Yeah. And players are going to come to this university because, because they, they like Lamont Paris. Yeah, so we'll see it all, all come together. You're not, you're not going to know if this, uh, if this was a good hire until four or five years down the road. So, And do you know how many years he was at Chattanooga before he made it to the, uh, made it to the final – or not even the final four, the, uh, the bracket itself, March Madness? I do not know. But I can guarantee you it wasn't his first year. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. And if I were to – I, I don't have it in front of me. I guess I could look it up, but bad podcasting. Uh, I would, I'd say it. It was probably three or four years, and I'm sure those first two years uh, didn't look so bleak for for Chattanooga, and or didn't look so bright for Chattanooga. And then they then they improved and made it to the dance. So y- you got to give them some time. Yeah, and we will. Um, I don't think anybody's calling for his head right now. Eh, people are Twitter are because they're mad and they're South Carolina fans that want to complain about something. Yeah, but uh, let's move moving on to one of our one of my favorite topics: uh, women's basketball. Did you get to watch a game on Sunday? I I didn't because we had our our flag football game during it. But I I, I watched the highlights. I watched what what happened afterwards. Uh, UConn lost again. Not only did they lose to us, but they lost last night against Marquette. Big big upset. So we might have uh, we might have broken the Huskies yet again. Yeah. Um, people who didn't watch eighty seven seven or eighty one seventy seven was the final. South Carolina just their depth really just kept them uh, held them back. Uh, UConn played the same, pretty much the same five girls the whole time. Uh, two players playing all forty minutes and another two at thirty eight and thirty nine. Uh, South Carolina they only had three players with more than thirty minutes and that was. Aaliyah Boston, 39, Raven Johnson, 36, and Zia Cook, 39. Other than that, it was pretty spread out. The, n- the next highest was, I believe, around 25, 26 minutes. So this is a team that is it's – not, it's not a big five. It's just a dominant dynasty team. Yeah, and that's – I mean, if, if you were a fan of the countdown when we were doing it live, we talked about that all the time. We talked about how we just have five stars sitting on the bench, and it's really becoming the, the Alabama of women's basketball. And w- when you look at it, you, 26 from Aaliyah Boston, 11 rebounds, two assists. Uh, and other than that, I mean, we got 14 from Raven Johnson, uh, 17 from uh, Camila Cardoso. Sorry, I don't, I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. You did. Okay, sweet. Did, did I pronounce it wrong or right? It's Cardoso. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and 11 rebounds from her as well. It's really just a team that, like, seven assists from Raven, two across the two from Aaliyah, two from Zia Cook. These guys just know how to play together. Uh, they know how to to form as a team. Bria Beal doesn't need to score, you know, 20 a night for this team to be going. Zia Cook doesn't even need to score double digits for this team to get going. And... That's the beauty of of this women's basketball team. Yeah, and just like I said, it's just the depth. It's um, I completely lost my train of thought, but uh, 
Yeah. No, and it's good recruiting, and it's good coaching from Don, who we've seen. I mean, she's now a two-time national champion. Will probably be one of the best, if not by the end of it, the best Gamecock coach of all time. And uh, she, her, her impact on the community, her impact with the players, is just she just like brings a light. It seems like to this, uh, this whole school. Yeah. Uh, Gamecocks are now 24 and 0. 24 See, I didn't know the first number, but I knew that second mm-hmm. one. Uh, and their average margin of victory right now, do you, you have any, do you have a clue where it is? Now, with the UConn win being only five, it's got to go down from 40 to what? <laughs> <laughs> it's at 33.9 right oh now. Oh my God. That, uh, just, if you were to turn on a random South Carolina game this year, more likely than not, they're going to win by 30. And yep. that, that blows my mind. Yep. This team is, it's, uh, you know, we were, we were, we always had trouble talking about them whenever we were, uh, did it on the radio. Is it's, it's hard to talk about because they're so good. It's like nothing has changed since the last time that we talked about them. They're still winning all their games. They are a machine, a, a well redefined, efficient machine. And they, they, when you look at UConn, you can say they didn't have page buckets. Which is which is a big loss for them, but uh, then you could also say you know Zia Cook can score some more points next game they play, or Bria Beal can score some next some more points next game they play. So there's definitely uh, it's definitely you know you can't just say Paige Buckets in here is going to get five points and yada yada yada. But the as you said, it's hard to talk about these girls because they are just so good at the game of basketball. Yeah, and. The it really looks like they're going to go undefeated, and uh, their biggest test coming this Sunday, Sunday against LSU. Yes, pregame to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's uh, two o'clock on ESPN, and I'm pretty sure it's it's been sold out for a couple weeks now. Yeah, so in Colonial Life Arena, um, facing number three LSU. This is their toughest competition. The only other undefeated team. I didn't even realize that they. Uh, yeah, they're facing a good, a big competition here. They've their their stints so far. Stanford was a big win, five points, uh, and now UConn, five point victory. So, with that being said, it looks like we should win by five points here. Yeah, and <laughs> and if if they win this weekend, it, I would like to see how much money I could win if I put together a parlay with them winning all their games here from now until. The uh, to the national championship, baby. Yeah, they uh, the last team to do that was actually UConn in the 2015-16 season, where they went 38 and 0. I would love to go 38 now. Wouldn't that be cool? I know. And the one, what was the one loss last year? It was like Kentucky in the SEC tournament, so yeah. we didn't actually win the SEC tournament. Yeah. That uh, that I mean, any it's any any given Sunday at this in this respective, but any game, you know, anything can happen. But with this with this team being such a such a machine. It's like you're going up against the Terminator. It's like yeah. you don't know how to you don't you got to cut their heads off to to actually kill them, and that that means shutting down all, all of them. You have to shut all of them down because you gotta if, feel like it's gotta feel like you have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Because if uh, if Aaliyah Boston has a bad game, that doesn't mean Zaya Cook's gonna have a bad game. That doesn't mean Bria Beal's gonna have Raven John. I mean, there is just so many people on this bench on this in the starting lineup that. Are weapons and are dangerous where you can only you can only knock out a couple in a game. Do you think uh, the women's team has any walk-ons? Walk-ons? I don't think they. That, I don't think they need any walk-ons. I don't think they have any room for walk-ons. No. They, I mean, they're 
their walk-ons, I mean, their 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 bench warmers would probably be stars at other uh, at other teams in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this South Carolina women's basketball team is that all of them stay. They all they all learn from the bench. They learn from Don. They learn from the players who are playing. And then when it's their time to play, it's their time to play, and they're the stars. So, you like the guys who got for uh, Kira Fletcher. Bree Hall, only four minutes in this UConn game. They'll eventually be big-minute players, I believe, uh, just because based off of the recruiting and everything, like I just expect them all to be five stars. Yeah. Um, I don't have much to say else about this women's team. I knew it was going to be a short segment because there's not much. No, I just hope – the only thing I could say is I hope they just keep killing it. I hope they keep blowing these teams out of the water and – Get a guess another national championship, and I hope to see everyone listening at the uh, game this weekend. Yeah, and uh, good luck getting a ticket. But if you can, you you're gonna want to be there. It's gonna be an electric. It's gonna be an electric uh, arena, mm-hmm. and it's it's gonna be fun. But uh, let's move on to uh, a topic that we're a lot more familiar with. Let's talk about some football. How you feel about that? All right, I'm I'm always ready to talk about football. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna focus on recruiting uh, this time, and everything that at least that I that I'm gonna bring to the table. Um, all statistics and standings come from uh, the 24/7 Sports and their USC affiliate, the Big Spur. But uh, right now, South Carolina, or not even right now, to finish off the recruiting season, they they finish at 16. Let's we can talk about the rankings. Let's talk about the big prize, can we? Yeah. If we talk about good old Nick Harbor. Uh, that we didn't get to talk about last week because we we messed up on re- booking this room. But the uh, it was the biggest biggest recruitment story for us. And uh, Riley, let's start us off. Well, who's Nick? Who is Nick Harbor? Well, he is the seventh highest recruit in the history of South Carolina football. The only people that you'll see above him are names that you know. That you're going to see uh, Jadavian Clowney, Jordan Birch, who unfortunately is leaving. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, mm-hmm. it's just great company ahead of him, and he sits there right there at number seven. Um, he's a athlete, uh, most likely going to uh, play edge, maybe tight end, wide receiver, depending on whether he wants to gain speed or uh, gain muscle mass in, the, in this offseason. Uh, he's from the D.C. area. DMV. Yeah, and I know that uh, we have – you have your own thoughts about the uh, quote-unquote recruiting rivalry that we have with uh, the University of Maryland. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, the DMV area, he's 6'5", 225, uh, 19th overall uh, player in the recruiting rankings. First, obviously first at his position, first in, of course, the state of South Carolina. Uh, he runs uh, a 2.28 100-meter dash. That is, that is Olympic-level fast. Yeah, he was uh, the biggest – story at the end of before the recruitment was this Oregon push for Mm -hmm. for Nick Harbour because of the track and because of Nike and he really did want to play track so I it'll be interesting to see if he plays here and it'll be interesting to see I want to see if they put him out uh the end or tight end because I've seen both and I, I I love that Shane Beamer gets his hands on this this lethal weapon that can that can play both sides of the ball, and can can be very versatile for this Gamecocks team. Yeah, and 
like and like I said, he's an athlete, and twenty four seven said that you know if he can gain say twenty pounds in muscle over the off season, he could play uh, on the defensive line on the end. But right now in in high school and in uh, probably going into his first year here, he's gonna probably play edge. Uh, he's he's got very quick speed. Uh, he can get around the corner uh, faster than probably any any player that's gonna be on this team next year. Um, he's got quoting from 24/7 breakaway open field speed. So he's gonna be able to run guys down from behind. Um, because you know, it, uh, uh, running in a straight line, you know, he runs a two point or ten point two eight hundred meter dash. Yeah. But you know, he also has footwork. Mm-hmm. He can change directions. He can get around the corner, and I I just couldn't be more excited to see him play. And I don't think the NF or I think the NFL is excited to see him play too. Um, right now, he's projected to be a top ten pick. Um, I don't know. That's what two three years from now. Yeah, and. Uh, they compared him to Kyle Pitts, who played at Florida, um, now Ooh. in Atlanta. I assume still in Atlanta. Yeah, still in Atlanta, and uh, just a beast for college football. He's yeah. been he's been a little quiet in his NFL career so far, but his and I mean in, in going up against him in Florida, it was just like that is the weapon you got to focus on. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, if he does play the tight end role, which is at that point more of a little wide receiver tight end role, he he already mentioned how he's. Uh, how he's bigger than a lot of people. He's 6'5", 225, and could run that fast. Uh, again, just a weapon that I'm excited to see how they use him. Yep. Uh, moving on from Nick Harbour, um, one guy that I'm excited to, to see, that, and he's already on campus. He's enrolled at the University of South Carolina. Desmond, I'm so sorry about your last name. Or I'm so sorry. Yep. Let's go with that. All right. <clears throat> also an edge coming out of the DMV area. 6'6", 239, four-star. He uh, committed back in late August. Um, uh, also good speed. Just, it seems like South Carolina is going to stay good on defense as they're losing Cam Smith, as they're losing Jordan Birch. It, they, it, it's something I'm very excited to see. Uh, I, I've in the pa- in past years I haven't really followed recruiting that closely, but. I, I opened it up by saying that we were the 16th ranked. Uh, I think we're sixth, actually. I think that might be uh, ranked with the uh, recruiting and transfer portal. Mm. And I only have one guy that I'm really excited about in the transfer portal, and that's the wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, um, I think they call that consensus ranking. But, yeah, they're sitting pretty high in the consensus ranking, if I'm saying that right. But uh, yeah, yeah. We also another wide receiver, Elajua Chadwell, who I'm excited about out of uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. He's a he's a three star, but it seems like there there's a lot of hype about him already coming in. Um, the the one guy that we we need to talk about is I'm just gonna call him the Tree because I can't pronounce his name and I'm not gonna attempt it. Uh, he goes by the tree. He's an offensive tackle. He's a four-star, 6'5", 310 pounds. This guy is an immovable object. He's going to be great for Spencer Rattler and kind of what we needed. We needed more time for Rattler to, to get the deep ball, get, get his reads right. It seemed like he was very rushed last year. So to get him a stud, stud offensive tackle, 
that will really and will be building in this program for the next three years. I'm really excited to see uh, what he does also out of the DMV area. Yeah. Uh, real bright future for uh, South Carolina, and I'm just excited to see what can happen. Did you but, hear uh, about the uh, the negatives that came with the, a couple of the recruits? The South Carolina um, – I, I want to get the names in one second, but a couple of the recruits got uh, in trouble for having a weapon on campus. Really? Yeah. So, uh, Marquel or uh, Mont Mont Rames the second, um, he he was charged with carrying weapons on school property and obstru- and obstructing justice. He got suspended by Shane Beamer as long as with fellow freshman. Anthony Rose and Karan Upshaw or Cameron Upshaw. I remember that. So, those three suspended. Uh, they're all freshmen. So it, it, it that'll take a take a hit for for their uh, mental health. It'll take a hit for the the way they come in. And hopefully, this isn't a uh, a sore spot on this recruiting class because I think all of them are good good players. I think they're all gonna learn from this. Um, and I think. This carrying weapons on school property is, you know, it sounds like that is way worse than it is. I'm pretty sure they just found whatever weapons there were in their uh, in their dorm rooms, which still is unexcusable. But hopefully these guys learn that now that they're in a university, this is not um, this is not it's not a spot for it. So I, I believe that Beamer will get them right um, and they'll serve whatever suspension that there is. And hopefully come back and contribute to this 2023 recruiting class. Yeah, they will. And it's – I hate to I hate to say it, but whenever these players get in trouble, um, a lot of times they, they'll be back in a much shorter time than you would expect yeah. if, say, we got in trouble with uh, mm-hmm. having a firearm. I, I don't know if it was a firearm, but – Yeah, I'm not sure. <clears throat> but uh, speaking about football – Lots of lots to come between here and twenty twenty five, uh, with conference realignment. Yes, yeah, I was uh I was intrigued when you said that that's what you want to talk about today. Is there been any any extra new? It's coming twenty twenty five, right? Yeah, with the so. Oh, the, conference. The, I was thinking about playoffs. Yeah, conference. What so? What's going on? Oh yeah, the uh, so the obviously the big one that really pertains to the to us South Carolina <clears throat> is. Oklahoma and Texas, uh, just recently it was kind of announced that they won't be leaving the Big 12 early, uh, that they will be uh, joining in the previously agreed on date of uh, or year of 2025. So unfortunately, we won't be students at that time, but it will be nice to have two more powerhouse programs join the SEC. Um I'm not positive if they made a decision on whether they're going to do keep the divisions and maybe do or or the alternative was was maybe do a pod system or maybe they do what the ACC did and have uh, basically just two rivals where you play those two rivals every single year and then you uh, alternate between playing the other. I have an answer. However for many teams. What's that? The from, from according to you, uh, yeah, whatever some website, uh, the, this realignment in the SEC will go from two divisions to four, 
and make conference games come with an added weight. Yeah, so a pod system. I guess so. Yeah, so if, in a pod system, there's going to be four conferences or four pods of four. Yep. You'll play every single team in that conference. The at the you'll play every single team in your pod, and then you play, uh, I think, five other games outside of your pod, and so you'll you'll still play every team, if I'm not mistaken. You'll still play every team twice, or you'll sorry, excuse me. You'll still play every team every other year. Yeah. You'll I, see, I, yeah. yeah. So you, you, South Carolina would will be seeing Arkansas every other year, mm-hmm. which we don't right now. So most likely you'll see <clears throat> probably South Carolina if they're if they're going to do it geographically. I'd probably say that you're going to see South Carolina, Florida, and Tennessee, maybe maybe Vandy, or maybe they go on a completely different route and do Auburn. Alabama, uh, Florida, and Georgia, and then they do South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you can go with it. It's going to be exciting to see. You're going to see teams way more often than you're used to. It's going to be fun to be a student for all the freshmen out there listening. You're going to be around whenever you know South Carolina is going to be hosting Texas uh, and Oklahoma. Yeah, that's that, gonna be, so that's going to be fun. Uh, you mentioned two big. Uh, blue blood programs coming in and I see this as an absolute win for the SEC and all schools involved because now that just adds to it um, it adds to the the history and the lore of the SEC you're adding two programs who are going to come in and they don't want to be the bottom of the SEC when they join no. they're going to try their hardest they're, they're probably telling recruits now hey you're going to be playing SEC football in two years mm-hmm. uh, this isn't going to be the Big 12 anymore and they're going to have to really step up their game to to compete with even teams like South Carolina who, uh, I mean, we ended, what, third in the division of yeah. the SEC? And we're going to be, like, we're, we're on the rise. Tennessee's on the rise. There's a lot of great teams in the SEC that are going to be able to compete with these guys. And it's kind of be like a, it's kind of going to be like a little FU to the Pac-12. When if we go in or if Texas goes in and gets boat raced by us or Oklahoma comes in and gets boat raced by like Mizzou or Vanderbilt, yeah. like that that would just be showing more um, more evidence of how SEC football just means more, baby. Yeah, it's the best conference. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna in you speaking of them having to the to quote unquote catch up. Mm-hmm. Texas has been there in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma, you know they've they've been to the playoff I think twice now, once with Jalen Hurts, uh, once with uh, Kyler Murray. Yep. Um, excuse me, my throat's very dry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but Southern, but Texas has been there before. They've been the best team in the in the in the NCAA multiple times. So. And, but I think the University of Texas, the second-best UT, uh, got just a little impatient with waiting on being back. You know, mm-hmm. They had uh, – I can't remember his name from Texas at the end of the Sugar Bowl. Sam Ellinger? Yeah, saying – Texas, we're back. Yeah, with yeah. Texas, we're back. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all we got on the SEC. Uh, Big Ten – 
my favorite topic whenever you're talking about conference realignment. Southern California and UCLA joining the Northeast Big Ten. Just just exactly what I imagine whenever I think of Big Ten play. I think of the good old classic USC, UCLA versus Maryland. My favorite rivalry that's ever come. And, they, I mean, it's already looking ridiculous for the the, the commercials. They're, they're having to pan out all the way across the country. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just going to be weird. It's weird to have uh, two West Coast teams in an East Coast conference. And I guess you do have Wisconsin in there. So I guess that's some help. Yeah, for the West Coast, but it's other than that, you're get they're they're gonna be they're gonna have tough time traveling, and it's gonna be a pain in the ass for everyone to travel to them. Yeah, and you're gonna focus really, and most people do focus on uh, football, but think about basketball. Mm-hmm. Think about being a student at the University of uh, Southern California. Think about California. being a manager at Maryland. You're like, oh crap, I gotta <clears throat> fly to California today. Yeah, and, and you're just a random Tuesday night. Yeah. You're gonna fly. You're gonna go across. You're gonna go across two time zones. Yep. And have to play a basketball game on a Tuesday night across the nation after you just studied for calculus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, the, other than that, there's no one leaving the Big Ten. They'll be up to 16 teams as well in the Big Ten, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, the Big 16. <laughs> the Big 16. <laughs> uh, Pac-12, They uh, nobody's joining them, but obviously South Carolina – or not South Carolina. Southern California and UCLA are leaving. <clears throat> Big 12, so with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, they're bringing in four other teams. Uh, oh, and, I didn't know this. In BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. So UCF and Cincinnati. That's two, major. That's a major win for both of those programs. Absolutely. They're going to be joining the Big 12, uh, a conference who's had uh, playoff berths. Mm-hmm. So it's not impossible. And With Cincinnati UC- having a playoff berth, <clears throat> not just a year ago. Yeah, and UCF, you know, they didn't. They missed their shot. They still called themselves 2018 yeah, cha- national, uh, champion. national champions. Yeah. But uh, now you're going to have that opportunity. You're going to be playing uh, bigger opponents. You're, you, you know, you, UCF, you're, you're going to have a lot more chances to prove yourself, and um, it's going it, to it's going to be a tall task um, because you're you're not you're going to be able to uh, recruit these guys that you're that you haven't been able to recruit before because you were in such a bad conference. You, or in BYU's sake, no conference at all. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. They were independent, but uh, and and Notre Dame, they're not going anywhere. They're just gonna no. They're just gonna milk. Uh, what is it? NBC's money, CBS's money. One of the two has their, all their games. Yeah, and, and sticking around with uh, the hanging out with the ACC. Yeah, they uh. <clears throat> so uh, this also, I mean, this this gives them when they they if they're top of the top of the teams, they can play for the the Pac-12 championship. They uh, they can play. This is gonna get them better bowl games. Just more national recognition, which is always good for for schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was the Big Twelve. Um, nothing's really happening in the ACC. They're still gonna keep the teams. They're re- they're readjusting how they do their schedules. Aren't they all stuck in contracts with the ACC? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it, and it's not really contracts with the ACC. It's I think it's more of contracts with like the. Uh, TV contracts, like yeah, 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 like the the ACC network. I mean, yeah, well, not that. I'm just talking about like I think most ACC games are on ABC, and uh, they've got that uh, eight o'clock spot on ABC, which is um, 
actually going to the SEC very soon. <clears throat> uh, the SEC on CBS breaks my heart is leaving. They're going to uh, a primetime game on ABC. Ooh. Um, I'm not sure. I, I know it's not this year, but it's next year. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, but that was that was big news that has kind of simmered away or simmered out, and I guess that's not really going to come up until the end of this next season. But moving on to the AAC, not the ACC, the AAC. Uh, they've got UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston leaving, but they all they have Charlotte, FA, excuse me, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, UT, and UTSA, all coming in twenty twenty three. To where? Sorry. The AAC. Okay. American Conference. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if anybody else out there listens to uh, Late Kick with Josh Pate, but one of his number one rules is don't lose the food. Can't lose the rice. Nope. Nope. Cannot lose the rice. Yeah. yeah that, that, I mean, that'll help them. It, uh, th- those, it's funny. Those lesser conference in next two, three years, we're just going to be talking about how uh, – Big Twelve or Big Ten now has twenty teams and the SEC is twenty five or something like that. Uh, I'm excited to see if that's how it goes. I think that would actually, as much as it would like kind of ruin the tradition of college football, it would add uh, almost a new a new tradition, a new layer to it. And I think if they make that like if they if they do end up with the two super conferences, then I think it could come for some interesting uh, bowl games, some interesting rivalries, and it could be fun. Yeah. Um, Sunbelt adding four new teams, or they did add four new teams. They played with them this year. Oh, the Funbelt. Yeah. And uh, Conference USA adding the four more te- four, four or five more teams, uh, one of them being Kennesaw State. They've been uh, – Kennesaw State's been running Division Two for a while. Oh, look yeah. at Kennesaw. Uh, yeah. not a, they're not, they haven't been running as much as uh, North Dakota and South Dakota State, but uh, – they're, uh, Are they, they've is, held their own. Is North Dakota getting any upgrade? No. I don't think they'll ever leave. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, many other conferences are realigning, but uh, these are the only ones really relevant to us and relevant to football. Um, basketball is obviously going to change. <clears throat> Some of these teams are uh, leaving, like uh, Little Rock and UT Ar- Arlington are leaving the Sun Belt because uh, they're leaving be- just basically to go to a different conference that's not as football-centric. And I know it's really weird to call Sunbelt football-centric, but really that's what they are. Um, but is there any more comments you got on the uh, conferences? Any any MAC uh, <clears throat> realignment? I'm sure there is. Um, I didn't take any notes on that. Fortunately, I don't have uh, any Wi-Fi right now. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. It says the Mac's going to keep divisions. Does that mean that they're getting anything? Um, it says they – oh, they're against expansion after Middle Tennessee elects to remain in the Conference USA. All right. Well, uh, got to love some action, though. Tuesday night action. Always fun. Oh, yeah. But uh, as we kind of scroll down – or uh, stroll down here to the end of the podcast, uh, some – New or some news came out Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have, I didn't, just by reading it, uh, the, the official website of it, I didn't get much information. 
But uh, something's going on with uh, renovations to Williams Bryce and Colonial Life and parking and property. Do you have any I, ideas I, of what that is? I, I saw it. They bought a bunch of South Carolina, University of South Carolina, of course, our, our, our school, bought a bunch of land around uh, Colonial Life, around Gamecock Park, around uh, Williams, did I say Williams, uh, Colonial Life, Williams Bryce. Um, and they're they're looking to expand something. I don't know if it's redoing Williams Bryce. I don't know if it's adding on to Williams Bryce. Are and we getting a bowl? I I don't know. And I don't know if that means that Colonial Life. We, there's been talks where the men's basketball team, you know, hasn't been sold out in forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be it could be something different to to add to that atmosphere. And I I'm not sure. Uh, my hope, and I don't think it's gonna happen. But my hope is that somehow they figure out how to get South Carolina's student section in Colonial Life to be a wall, like every other school. Yeah. Every other school has it behind the basket, up on the wall. And our school does that, but it's half the wall. And then the other half of the student section is courtside. So yeah, I, I've been watching you know, any college basketball game that I'm watching. I always look at the student section to see how it compares to ours. And that is just such a fundamental aspect of why kids are standing why the the crowds look more packed than ours do why the town like why it's uh why it's louder too because mm-hmm. it's all coming from one area one getting directed and if we just took all the people who are sitting behind the the announcers booth and the stats booth and every, even where i'm sitting i'd sacrifice my seat for a better suit student section and we fill out that wall we get rally towels we get some actual stuff that's on the screen that makes us loud that i mean would be a huge jump to uh uh the games gamecock basketball and i know that had nothing to do with the the game the property that we already just talked about no no i like it i was just thinking of improvements and there there hasn't been any word on this new they just call it the stadium project Mm -hmm. that's what they've called it that's what they have advertised it and they haven't given us much information on it. Yeah, and they're really emphasizing on that it's not going to cost the public anything. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're trying to take it or take initiative on money that they're getting or gonna get. I'm not. I'm not sure. Just keep an eye on that. Um, <clears throat> speaking of uh, what you just said, the only thing that you just said wrong there is whenever you were comparing South Carolina student section to other student sections. That just make you feel bad. Yeah, I know. It, it's a sad thing to look at, and, and it's not with- our fault. Yeah, it's not. And when like watching Mizzou, they they were an avid student section. Every time Michi got the ball after his uh, flagrant, which we didn't even talk about. The, did you see the two disparities of the flagrants? I didn't. I I, uh, I noticed that they were booing him as soon as every time he got the ball. So at a, in a play that one of their players, I think it's Kobe Brown, got the ball. Uh, he was going for the ball, and he reaches out with the ball where the ball was. Ball got moved, and he smacked him in the face. Hmm. And he smacked him pretty hard. Uh, it didn't look intentional. It didn't look anything like that. SEC refs decide to call it a flagrant after mm-hmm. reviewing it for like five minutes. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and then the student section, the reason why this was brought up is that every time Michi got the ball, they were avid on booing him mm-hmm. and avid on screaming F you and stuff like that. And that's, that's a, as, much a, as much as negatives is, is a bad thing, that's a positive for the Mizzou team, for the Mizzou morale, everything about it. And the the reason why I brought up the foul again is the then later, Gigi Jackson gets hit in the face. They don't even call it a normal foul. Really? 
Yeah, I didn't get to uh, watch that too close, but uh, yeah, it was. <clears throat> I, we've already talked enough about yeah, yeah, basketball. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to. Get I back really into don't want to get back. Yeah, into yeah, because yeah, we could we could talk hours about this basketball team, how frustrating it is. Yeah, but uh, so, uh, little other news: basketball or baseball scrimmages started this week. I think they've got one going on here in eight minutes. Oh, nice! At four thirty, um, and baseball starts next week. I'm excited. Yeah. We're ranked. We're, I think, the 23rd team right now. And there's a lot of buzz. There's a little buzz coming around Founders Park. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to be there. This this year, I'm going to take an initiative to try to make it to most, if not all, the baseball games. And All's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, especially when they do like the back-to-backs and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the only thing that I've really heard about uh, South Carolina is that they've got a uh, a good pitching staff. Uh, their their bats, I imagine, haven't really changed all that much. But, uh, yeah. But uh, if you got anything else to talk about, I'm good. I think we covered up pretty much everything that everything that we've had. Yeah, we covered it. Well, I've enjoyed it. No, and, it's great talking to you, Riley, as yeah. always. And uh, I think that's gonna wrap us up for uh, the <laughs> Countdown Podcast. I'm Riley Hudson. I'm Brady Fitzgerald. And a special thanks to Every Pruitt, our new producer. Thank you. Well, I'll wrap it up.